This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Well, the first scripture passage we're going to take a look at today is the gospel reading we just did. And it's interesting that this event specifically and directly fulfilled a prophecy that was given by Zechariah. And it was, Behold, Master comes on a colt, seated on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. Now, some skeptics have said, well, maybe Jesus knew all those prophecies and he did this stuff so he could try to claim he fulfilled them. But there are so many of these prophecies from the Old Testament. Excuse me, let me take that off. You maybe hear me better. There are so many of those prophecies from the Old Testament that there is no way, really, that he could have engineered that much fulfillment just by having a script and a checklist saying, okay, I've got that, got that one, got that one, got that one, that it is impossible to say that Jesus staged all of those events. Now, so he rides into town, and one of the other interesting things about this passage is that the disciples found the situation exactly as he said they were going to. Finding the colt tied, then starting to untie it. And if they ask you, tell them the Lord has need of it. They did exactly that. And amazingly enough, those people who owned the donkey, let them take it because the Lord needs it. So they went ahead and gave it to him or let them borrow it anyway. So Jesus rides into town. Now, the people are ecstatic. They are rejoicing. Basically, they're almost losing their minds because they see Jesus coming. Now, what did they expect? Well, although Jesus wasn't mounted on a white horse, you know, like the conquering hero, they still expected Jesus to usher in an earthly kingdom, driving out the Romans and starting his own kingdom right here. They were expecting a political event, but they didn't get that. What they got, despite the fact that a few days later, they were, those same people were yelling, crucify him, what they got was something better than an earthly solution. They got, they received the gates of heaven open to them by Christ dying on the cross and then rising again on the third day. He gave all of those people the opportunity to have eternal life rather than some temporary earthly kingdom. Now, wouldn't you agree that those people who later came to believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior and Rescuer, wouldn't you agree that they got a better deal? And we do too. So we have that 
option is still open to us. However, here's one of the interest, another interesting part of this passage. The Pharisees said, rebuke your disciples. Because all of those people shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, were riling them up, to use a southern phrase, riling them up something fierce. The Pharisees already had a visceral hatred for Jesus. If you read through all the Gospels, you'll find the number of times they plotted and schemed with either the Herodians, the people who followed King Herod, Roman authorities, whoever, to try to find a way to kill Jesus. So they were already really peeved. And then that, this scene must have just driven them crazy. But Jesus replied, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. What is he getting at there? Well, all creation was made to worship the King of Kings, the one who is Lord of all. And if you read through the beautiful passages in Isaiah and in Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, and all in the minor prophets, there are references all through there to the rocks and the mountains giving praise to God. Isaiah 61, 62, and 63 are particularly poignant in this regard because they specifically mention all of the mountains and rivers and streams and oceans, fields and trees, crying out, worshiping God because God created the creation. Makes sense, right? That's almost redundant. God created the creation. And he made it so it would glorify him. And it's not because God is an egotist. It's because God really is that great. He really is worth worshiping. He's worth giving our praises to. He is worth the time we spend daily in our Bibles, which we're supposed to be doing, and Sunday worship with the, with the people of God. He's worthy of that. And he deserves the worship because he's that awesome and that great and that magnificent. Now, the second passage I'm, we're going to take a brief look at this morning is our epistle reading, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not equality with God, count equality with God a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, Paul wrote this knowing, under, in, he did so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote that knowing 
that this was a challenge that he was putting before the recipients of this letter in Philippi. To have the same mindset that Jesus had. Well, what was Jesus' mindset? One, it was to glorify the Father in heaven. And two, to be a servant. What did Jesus say in Mark chapter 10? The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So we're challenged here, because this still applies to us, to have the mind of servanthood, to serve others. And as difficult as it is, and I can personally vouch for this, as difficult as it is to take our minds off of ourselves, but to think of other people and help them out when they need it. That was Jesus' mindset. Now it says, though he was in the form of God, did not equality with God, not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Now, Christ has always been God. Eternity past. Now, what does it mean that he didn't count it as something to be grasped and held on to? What this means is, and he made himself nothing, has occasioned, these phrases have, made, have been the cause of a lot of theological disputes. Very much con a lot of controversy. The Greek can mean empty, pour out, or also metaphorically give up status and privilege. So what's happening here is that Jesus did not relinquish the divine nature. He didn't give that up. But he came being willing to endure, if you will, the limitations of being in one human body at a time, his, his body, and to live among us in perfect fulfillment of the law. Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly, flawlessly, without error. All those requirements in the law of Moses, which is what we're talking about here, Jesus met them. He was in the synagogue every Sabbath day. And by the way, the Sabbath still exists. It's sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. So the Jews still celebrate and worship on the Sabbath. We're worshiping on what's called the Lord's Day. So named in the book of Acts when the apostles who were given the authority to establish such things by Jesus and Jesus gave them that in Matthew 16, where it says, On this I will form my church, and the gates of hell will not, over, not overwhelm it. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus gave them the authority to set up another day of worship. So we worship on the Lord's day. Now, this theory of Christ's kenosis, or self-emptying, is not in accord with the context of Philippians or with early Christian theology because Paul's not saying that Christ became less than God or he gave up some divine attributes. He is not even commenting directly on the question of whether Jesus was fully omnipotent and omniscient during his time on earth. 
Paul is stressing that Christ, who had all of the privileges that were rightly him as king of the universe, gave them up temporarily to become an ordinary Jewish baby bound for the cross. In other words, he voluntarily came again, like we said a few minutes ago, in the form of a human being, voluntarily limiting himself to being in one place at a time. But he never gave up his divine attributes. We see this very clearly in a passage that I love to read, and I think it's in at least three of the Gospels, the Transfiguration. Anybody remember that passage? Any of the, any of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, will do. He got up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and they looked and they saw him, and he was radiant. Clothes were as white as anyone could ever make them, and his face shone like the sun. So they looked at him. This is what John was talking about, or Peter was talking about when he said, we have beheld his glory. So right then and there, they had the clue that Jesus, although he was in the form of a human, was still God. And he maintained his glory. He never let that go. Now, it is very unusual that a God would be willing to take on human form. But he was willing to do that in obedience to his Father's will by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Jesus' human nature is the one that was sweat and blood in the Gospel of Luke. Because in his human side, Jesus knew what was coming. And because we, we can safely assume from the scripture passage that his human side didn't really want to do that. But he says, not as my will, but as you will, as your will be done. So he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And he rose again on the third day and was ascended into heaven 50 days later. And 40 days later, and now he is sitting on the throne in heaven, highly exalted. Then, and he has the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880, or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.